This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Jesse. I'm Tomahome. Hello, you guys. Hey. Hey. I have a, a mountain of recent arrivals here for us. You lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> They're all, all for right. you, Tama. <laughs> First, uh, let, let's start with um, a couple that we've actually spoken about already. Um, one of them is Wise Man's Fear by Patrick Rothfuss. This is a 36-disc hard copy of the audio, and I, I think we talked about it in our last um, recent arrivals because we it, it appeared on Audible first, and I know that uh-huh. um, Luke was going to listen to it, and I think he actually is listening to it, and my son listened to it, and oh. my son uh, got right through this book. It's 43 hours and 18 minutes long, and uh, he says, yeah, Dad, you should listen to this. <laughs> so when I have a week of spare time, I'm going to go ahead and put this baby in. Did you listen to the first one? No, I haven't. Huh. No, I listened did he, to... F- did yeah. your son listen to the first he one? He sure did, yep. Yep. Loves them both. He thought they were hmm. true. It all takes place within 24 hours. Oh, okay, right. Okay, that's the book we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, huh. exactly. Yeah, I remember Luke said, you know, he talked about it previously. So, But anyway, right. it's out in hard copy now. Um, so yeah, find it, says it at your local bookstore. 994 pages. Yeah. And it's uh, 36 uh, CDs. 36 hours. And the other one that arrived <laughs> since the last time we talked about uh, recent arrivals is Hellhole. The hard, the, the hard copy I'm of Hellhole really by. Bad when you get Hellhole. <laughs> I got Hellhole too. They, they sent it all the way up to Canada. Oh, did they really? I take that as an insult about Canada. They, they <laughs> the Hellhole too. Nice. Um, yeah, they did. Really? Okay. Epic, it says. Yes. I, I read the I read the Kindle sample. Mm-hmm. What did you think? It seems basically like a uh, uh, epic fantasy. Like there's a lot of characters. There's, there's like a, a queen, an evil queen. Uh huh. There's, there's a rebellion and stuff. But okay, so it's kind of a really, science fictional. They didn't really describe the planet fantasy. as being very hellish so far. So, so far, so later. All right. Okay. So that's next. all we have to say about Hellhole. Oh, do we need to say more about Hellhole? <laughs> no. No, it, it was a. Uh, a uh, song by Spinal Tap, yes, which right. you guys let me know. So <laughs> now, yeah, uh, like, Kevin maybe with James. That key you can understand the novel. I uh-huh. just looked at the Wikipedia entry for Hellhole, and Publishers Weekly wrote: characters are one-dimensional, and the tale has an unsatisfying cliffhanger conclusion. Well, it's the first of three. I know that. <laughs> uh, I it's, it's not thirty. Shocked. Yeah, um, but. It, it, I have a feeling it's going to sell like really well. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe it's Dune that's selling the books, mm-hmm. and the people are buying them and not reading them. But uh, the last Dune book I read with Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson, I couldn't finish it. Hmm. And I—that's normally I usually finish everything because hmm. I have to. And I something went wrong, but. The other good Dune book that you sent me, Scott, was that Road to Dune, which ah. was not not exactly. Uh, it was it was in that series of releases after, after. Yeah, it was right around the, the time, but, right around the time when the Dune prequels had first started. Right. Yeah. And that one was special because it was it was uh, I don't know extras or yeah. Thing, thing yeah. Oh, I highly recommend that one. It's um, kind of a. Well, I, I don't know if biography is the correct word, but it's the making of Dune. It's like a giant DVD extra, mm-hmm. but um, it's got the some of the original concepts of Dune. It's got uh, some stuff that was taken out of Dune Messiah, if I remember, and um, stuff about Frank Herbert's life. And then it wraps up with uh, some short stories. I think there was two in there by uh, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. Three? Okay. Yeah, three or four, yeah. Yeah, but it was a terrific book. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, that was was an exception to the uh, We Hate the Dune sequels Mm -hmm. 
series. Yeah, and it's not so really the director's commentary. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Dune, the publication of the first novel is kind of interesting because it ended up with a publisher of uh, auto repair manuals. Yeah. Chilton publication. Yeah, exactly. And that was the first publication of Dune. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, lots of interesting stuff in that one. The Road to Dune. I am, you know, that's actually not the first publication because it was serialized in, in a oh, magazine. That's right. right. You're right. Yep. It was serialized in analog or mm-hmm. something, I think. Yep. Is that an audiobook? The serialization? No, the, uh, the behind the scenes of Dune. Oh, yeah, yeah it is actually. Yep. Dune and Scott okay. did a review of it, so mm-hmm. I'll link to that. Yep, it is. It is an audiobook. Cool. All right. Um, next. We've got the Adjustment Bureau by Philip Yay! K. Dick. <laughs> and there was now this is I just love this thing because uh, it's one CD, and this is a hard copy. It's fifty-eight minutes long, and um, it says the Adjustment Bureau is a major motion picture based on Philip K. Dick's classic paranoid story, The Adjustment Team. So this is the short story, The Adjustment Team, which asks the question: Do we control our destiny? Or do unseen forces manipulate us? Ed Fletcher is a real estate agent with a normal life until one day he leaves the house for work a few minutes later than he should have. He arrives at a terrifying gray ash world. Ed rushes home and tells his wife, Ruth, who goes back to the office with him. When they return, everything is normal. But he soon realizes people and objects have subtly changed. Panic-stricken, he runs to a public phone to warn the police only to have the phone booth ascend heavenward with Fletcher inside. Mm. And that well, is the back. I've been listening to it, and uh, it's it's not the greatest Dick story so far, but mm-hmm. it is uh, Philip K. Dick, so it's a little more interesting uh, than, you know, <clears throat> you, ha- you expect regular SF to be. But it's very familiar to it. actually reminds me very much of uh, an episode of The Twilight Zone that I can't remember the name of, but uh, where... They can stop time, and uh, they have people come out and replace every second, reconstruct the whole world, and then um, one guy gets sort of outside of that. I think it was the Twilight Zone. It's not Outer Limits. So hmm. I think they remade it in the in the color version of the Twilight Zone in the eighties, the eighties version uh, as well. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it's not really a a super new idea, um, but it's good so far and. Um, Steen's going to go see it tonight. Oh, cool. I think. Sounds good. Yeah, and I should mention that that's read by Phil Gigante Mm -hmm. and uh, published by Brilliance. Phil Gigante's good. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He reads all the stainless steel rat stuff. Cool. Cool. Uh, I heard the movie was pretty good until the end, and then it turns into like a romantic romance, I guess. Romantic romance? (laughs) I was going to say romantic comedy. I guess it's not that. No, just a romantic romance. <laughs> Super <All right>. romance. <laughs> Super romance. Urban romance. <laughs> oh, we're we're gonna create a whole new genre here. Be careful. Stop. Or the suburban romance. <laughs> That's funny. All right, I've got. Um, speaking of the stainless steel rat, we'll talk about those real quick. I've got two Great. of them from the continuing series: the okay. stainless steel rat for president. And the stainless steel rat gets drafted. They're, of course, both by Harry Harrison, and both, like you said, um, narrated by Phil Gigante. So, stainless steel rat for president is number eight. And what was the other one? Um, it actually says uh, the stainless steel rat for president is book five, and oh, the stainless okay. steel rat gets drafted is book seven. I'm sorry, I was I was looking at chronological order. Oh, rather okay. And mm-hmm. uh, release order, which is release order is what we want. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In, okay. In Goodreads, they usually number them. If you want to look it up there. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, th- they're numbered on Wikipedia as well by year. Okay. So, President was 1982, and what was the, Stainless Steel Rat gets drafted is uh, 1987. So, there, it seems that they're either skipping things or not releasing them in complete order because uh, I've got everything but number four right now, mm-hmm. uh, up to I think uh, that. So I've got. Number one, two, three, five, and and then it sounds like you've got uh, number seven and eight or something. No, seven and nine. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I haven't. I haven't. Interesting that stainless steel rat was born, but that's a uh, that's one that goes jumps back to the beginning of his career. Uh, yeah. And then stainless steel draft, uh, stainless steel rat gets drafted. Is next. Cool. It's, it's a it's fun stuff. Good. Yeah, and they're not they're that's not it. big audiobooks either. It's kind of they're keeping like refreshing. under five or six <laughs> CDs, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. All right. Now next we've got. Another audiobook from Blackstone um, by the author of I Am Legend, uh, Richard Matheson. Uh-huh. Um, the title of this one is called Other Kingdoms. Oh, that's the big new one. Yeah. It um, says, that one, this is a new novel? In books, yeah. Oh, look at this. Yeah, it says on the back, a bewitching new novel by a truly legendary storyteller. For over half a century, Richard Matheson, yeah, it goes on, okay. Uh, here's the, what the story's about. The year is 1918. Alex White, a young American soldier recently wounded in the Great War, comes to Gatford to escape his troubled past. The pastoral English village seems a perfect spot to heal his wounded body and soul, but the neighboring woods are said to be haunted by capricious, even malevolent spirits. He is warned to steer clear of the woods and the perilous fairy kingdom it borders, but Alex cannot help himself. Drawn to its verdant mysteries, he finds love, danger, and wonders that will forever change his view of the world. I wonder if we talked about this uh, off of Audible, because it sounds familiar. No, I don't familiar. think so. Okay. No, I don't think so. I think I think uh, I I posted something about it. Oh, earlier. okay. Maybe that's where I got it. Yeah. Release. Yeah. And it's read by Bronson Pinchot, um, oh, one of my favorite wow. narrators right now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's great. It's uh, eight and a half hours long. Positive reviews on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Eight and a half hours, nice and short. Yes, exactly. You bet. Hey, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, eight. Uh, so positive reviews on Amazon. Uh, somebody says overuses parentheses, but fun. <laughs> I, I. I guess in the audio book that won't bother you. I like. <laughs> I like that the person who wrote that review also used parentheses. <laughs> is her review? Hypocrite. <laughs> well, it's probably intentional. Uh-huh. Oh. That's funny. I I didn't even know he was still alive. Yes, he's still alive, and his son's writing as well. Um, also, oh, yeah, Richard so Christian Matheson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was uh, a, a story that I used to love. Um, gosh, well, now I can't remember, but it was written by the both of them. I think it was called "Where There's a Will." Yeah, in fact, that that is what it's called, and it's about this guy who wakes up in a coffin. And it was in a collection called "Dark Forces," but it was by Richard and Richard Christian Matheson. So is Richard Christian Matheson writing novels and things? Uh, what he did was, last thing I heard was he adapted the I Am Legend movie to comics. Ah, okay. Um, I'm not sure what that means, uh, because I didn't read it, but it's, uh, I know that he's, he's in, he's in there messing with the estate before the estate's over, but probably not in a way that would, uh, be super offensive to his father, because his father's, I think, sanctioning it. (laughs) Well, good. He yeah. would spank him if he did something wrong. <laughs> he's he's also listed as a splatterpunk author. Oh. Splatterpunk, uh, which I guess is like uh, you super know, violent. Yeah, say heads exploding or something hmm. maybe. Wow. Um, he okay. did he did uh, some Showtime um, the Masters of Horror series. Oh. Um, he adapted I think one of the the stories of his dad's for that as well. Yeah. I, you know, I watched one of those recently. I watched um very creepy show. Great yeah. great production. I watched oh what was it? It was by James Tiptree Jr. Yeah, the Oh, the screw the screw fly the screw fly solution. Yeah. That's the basically the only science fiction episode of that series. Yeah, yeah. And it is a horror story, science fiction horror. Yeah. yeah. Uh excellent story. Um you know, the James Tiptree story is excellent. Mm-hmm. But the, hmm. the Masters of Horror was, it was okay, but there was, um, it just didn't quite get the story. I mean, the story was so much more effective. Um, the, it, the, the show hinged on this unbelievable teenager moment where the teenager had, you know, 100% of the facts and knew that people were dying, but still you know, stole the car to, <laughs> to go back to where dad is. And, you know, you're just like, come on, uh, well, the, roll your it, eyes. Is different than the story? Uh, yeah. In, in the story, there was, um, a similar moment, but it was set up better in the story because 
she didn't have all the facts. They they were actually hiding some things from her. But um, in the show, there there was no, you know, at the point in the show where it occurred, she had all the facts. She knew exactly what was going on. Well, the the good news is um, there's some other good episodes in that series that are, are well adapted. So mm-hmm. uh, there's an H.P. Lovecraft story called... Uh, uh, Dreams in the Witch House, which yeah, is one of I've the best. Yeah, I've seen that H- one. I've seen yeah, that one. Yeah, one of the best H.P. Lovecraft um, mm-hmm. movies I've seen. Yeah, uh, they are really just one-hour movies, right? Um, yeah, and a TV show of some kind. Um, the Damn Thing by Ambrose Bierce was adapted, and that was um, that was pretty good. And no, then remember um, that one. Uh, John Carpenter did a couple of movies uh, for it as well, and one of them was was excellent, and the other one was yeah, not so great, but. Um, yeah, I think the one he did for the first season, I'm trying to remember the name of it, it was about movie making, actually. Uh, was Oh, Cigarette Burns. Amazing, amazingly scary movie. And very Lovecraftian in a way. Hmm. About, yeah, it's a, instead one. of about a book that'll drive you insane, it's about a movie that will drive you insane. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I haven't so, seen that one. Yeah, if you're, if you're in the mood to scare the crap out of yourself uh, and not be able to, you know... Well, I was going to say not to be able to put it back in, but maybe you don't want to. Um, basically, to be worried about incontinence for the rest of your life. This would be uh, the movie. Cause nice. It still scares me. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I like scary movies. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm setting up my DVR right now. Excellent. All right. Good deal. Called Cigarette Burns. Cigarette Burns. Check. It refers to the, um, in film, when there's a film reel ending, there's a little... Uh, burn in the top right hand corner of the movie uh, frame mm-hmm. that comes on to indicate to the projectionist that it's time to change the reel. Uh. So it shows up on the screen and it, you just see a little round circle. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And in any particular feature film there's usually two or three reels at least. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's something you notice if you're watching a movie but you're not supposed to notice it. Right. Uh-huh. And it, it sort of ties in with the uh, the plot of the the film as well, which is oh, cool, amazingly scary. All right, well, good. Okay, next up, um, Dark Jenny by Alex Bledsoe, read by Stefan Rudnicki from Blackstone. Mm-hmm. Um, freelance sword jockey Eddie Lacrosse is in the wrong place at the wrong time while conducting an undercover investigation on the island kingdom of Grand Bruan. When a poisoned apple kills a member of the Queen's personal guard, Eddie becomes the prime suspect in murder. He must do some fast talking to keep his head attached to his shoulders. While trying to clear his name and find the real killer, Eddie becomes embroiled in a nasty political scandal. Someone is trying to ruin Queen Jennifer and doesn't care who is killed along the way. Now this is, um, I think it's in the same universe as the the sword-edged blonde. Isn't wasn't yeah, that? Did you listen um, to that one? An Eddie Lacrosse novel. He's kind of like a private eye and a. I didn't. A, I didn't read Sword Edge Blonde. The one I I reviewed was set in the 1970s in Detroit. I think it was. Yeah, and that was a vampire book, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I like about this guy is he's. I assume Alex is a guy. Maybe I can't remember he or she is not. Um, but I love the titles. The titles are awesome. One's called "Burn Me Deadly." There's sword edge blonde. They're they're very they're very referential to uh, you know the hard boiled books. Um, so I I don't know I don't the the book I read and reviewed was quite good. Hmm. Um, wasn't awesome, but it was surprisingly uh, surprising. You know I I didn't know what was going to happen next, and he didn't mind killing off characters who we thought were going to be main characters. Hmm. Maybe that's maybe they're not all in the same series or I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Next I have one that Blood has Blood Groove was the name of the one Blood I Blood Groove, I that's read. right. Yeah. yeah. No. Um yeah. Agatha H and the Airship City. Hey. <laughs> By Phil and Kaja Folio, F O G L I O. Um let's see. It is read by, uh, performed by Angela Daw, and this is from Brilliance Audio. Um, The Industrial Revolution has escalated into all-out warfare. 
Sixteen years have passed since the Heterodyne Boys, benevolent, advent- benevolent adventurers and inventors, disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Today, Europe is ruled by the Sparks, dynasties of mad scientists ruling over and terrorizing the hapless population with their bizarre inventions and unchecked power, while the downtrodden dream of the Heterodynes return. I love the cover. Yeah, it's cool. Now, Phil Folio, he's won Hugo's for his art. So he's he's in steampunk really well, is best as a as a <clears throat> as a visual genre I think. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I think they made they're the same people that made the comic book, and now they're making a novel out of it. Oh, they're it's a comic a book too. too. Yeah, yeah, it was comic book first, and now they're writing a novel. Hmm. Hmm. Have you read the comic? Uh, no, I've heard good things, but I haven't read. Yeah, it. there's a. Uh... There's a blurb here from uh, Patrick Rothfuss, the guy who wrote Name of the Wind and Wise Men's Fear. And it says, Mm -hmm. simply said, girl genius has everything I look for in a story. So maybe girl genius is the the comic. Comic book, yeah. Right. And um, it says, Agatha H. in the Airship City, a girl genius novel. I think it's actually free and you can look at it online. Cool. The the comic book or the uh, the, the comic text? Huh. Comic book. Interesting. Yeah, that's neat. Um, it's getting very positive reviews on on Amazon as well. Um, mm-hmm. Twenty two reviews, four and a half stars. So might be worth the pick up. I very love nice. airships. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it just I depends on if airships. you missed the art or not. Right. I saw the huh. uh, the airships in there and said, "Oh, Jesse's gonna like this one." Yeah, I love airships. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so you're a steampunk fan? Uh, you know, you'd think so. I, I, I think I love airships, and it makes me pick up books with airships on them. Probably the okay. way people who love vampires pick up every vampire book. But I'm not. I not all the ones I've reviewed that have airships in them. Actually, I, they tend to be negative reviews. So, mm-hmm. I, so just I, air, airship fantasy. Uh, <laughs> I have an airship fantasy. It's true. <laughs> I would love to own an airship. It's true. <laughs> gotcha. All right. <laughs> Here's a William Gibson novel uh, from Brilliance called Count Zero. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, performed by Jonathan Davis. Um, the sequel to Necromancer, it says. But isn't it Neuromancer? Neuromancer. Yeah, it says yeah. Necromancer. They've misspelled it on the back. <laughs> that's terrible. Um, yeah. Maybe this is a zombie version of Neuromancer. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> A corporate mercenary a, wakes in a... a what's that? It, it, I don't think it is a sequel. I think it's set in the same universe. Oh, is it? Okay. Wasn't there a tri- isn't there a trilogy of the original three books? Mona Lisa Overdrive, Count Zero, and and uh, Neuromancer, Neuromancer are called the Sprawl Trilogy or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they don't have any of the same characters as far as I'm aware. But the same universe. But you know, I I never I couldn't read it. I tried to read it. I no. wanted to love it, and I couldn't read it. So mm. I I don't really know. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I think I've it was released as the... a Brilliance audio, uh, and that was Audible exclusive first. Now it's coming to to Brilliance. Is that right? Yeah, it's um. This is a Brilliance hard copy. Yep. Nice. Yep, and uh, read by Where Jonathan Davis, now? who's great. Um, it says, a corporate mercenary wakes in a reconstructed body, a beautiful woman by his side. Then Hosaka Corporation reactivates him for a mission more dangerous than the one he's recovering from to get a defecting chief of R&D and the biochip he's perfected out intact. But th- this proves to be of supreme interest to certain other parties, some of whom, some of whom aren't remotely human. So that's that's what it says there. Set seven years after Neuromancer, it says. Gotcha. Okay. One of my favorite 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 novels is Neuromancer. Mm-hmm. Cool. So. I, I still haven't read it, but I, oh, heard, dude, it's good. I heard, I heard the BBC audio drama version of it. Uh, that's all right too. Good. Cool. Okay, now I've got a couple of well, actually three continuations of series that we've talked about before. Okay. Um, the first one, uh, I've got books four and five of the Gorian Saga by John Norman. Nomads mm-hmm. of Gore and Assassin of Gore. Those are both from Brilliance and read by Ralph Lister. 
And then I have book three of the Martian series by Edgar Rice Burroughs, read by Bill DeFries. Um, you know, there's a seal on the front, the inspiration for the upcoming motion picture, John Carter of Mars. So this is book three. It's called uh, Warlord of Mars. I wonder how far they'll go with these because the other the publishers, is, yeah, the other publishers right. who have published these, because uh, the first few are in public domain, I guess, but they run out of public domain yeah. at, at some point. Yeah. Okay. And then the third continuation of a series I've got here is Elven Blood by Andre Norton and Mercedes Lackey, sequel to the Elven Bane, also from Brilliance and read by Asne Vigiasa. I'm sure I murdered that name. Um, A-A-S-N-E-V-I-G-E-S-A-A. Cool name, but I'm sure I mispronounced it. Did you did you see that uh, Warlord of Mars cover art for um, issue number five? Oh, that yeah, yeah, was, yeah. And that, is that the was, one with the kid that's reading the book? Yeah. Oh, it was terrific. Fantastic. Wow. It's, it's supposed to be like a Saturday evening post cover. Yeah, yeah. And so it's got this amazing it, it still looks like Joe Jusco's art but uh I looked I looked the books up and I think those are the original printings or something of the paperbacks in the in the late 60s early 70s mm-hmm. um so he's he's got pictures within pictures you know paintings within paintings yeah um which is always fun but it's just a it's like such a fantastic cover I wanted to buy the uh the comic just to get just to get the cover mhm it's uh, inspired by Norman Rockwell, obviously, but uh, really fantastic cover. I, w- I wish people would do more stuff like that, you know, sort of experimenting a little bit more. Uh-huh. But I, I picked up the first uh, World Warlord of Mars uh, from Dynamite, and it was okay. It didn't blow me away, so I haven't been following the series, but the cover, fantastic. Hmm. Fantastic. You know, it would probably be worth picking up in, um, in a trade paperback when it comes out. Because I, I don't read series comics anymore. Mm-hmm. I just buy trades. It's really oh. not. Uh, I've sort of gotten out of the habit of picking up comics every week. It's every four weeks now or three weeks. I think it's a trend uh, these days. Absolutely. They're, and, I think they're actually written for trades, and then they're collected later. And yeah, and I think together. that's yeah. I think that's my my problem is is I'm like everyone else getting trades, and so that's forming what the what the storylines are looking like but it's good it's it's good for me <laughs> I, uh, trades are cheaper yeah. right you yeah, it seems like the trades. stories are more spread out these days so yeah they, mm-hmm. they just fit the trade paper but back. they cost less and there's no advertising in them right right cool you don't have to wait mm-hmm. you get a whole bunch of hits at once right okay now i've got um there are three YA titles from uh, Blackstone. The first one is called Sweep, Book of Shadows by Kate Tiernan, read by Julia Whelan. Um, let's see. Something is happening to Morgan that she doesn't understand. She sees things, feels things in a new way. She can do things normal people can't do. Powerful things, magical things, and it scares her. She never chose to learn witchcraft, but she's starting to wonder if witchcraft is choosing her. So that's that one, and then this is um, designed to make uh, every every parent who thought Harry Potter was the from the devil. <laughs> this one actually is like this is a it, it was published as Wicca in oh, really? uh, in uh, in other countries. Uh-huh. Not allowed to do that. Yeah, in yeah. America, right? It probably Red wouldn't sell. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, and then here's another one. This is Dreamhouse Kings Book Five: Whirlwind by Robert Lip Liparulo. Read by Joshua Swanson, and we talked about um, a previous volume in this series um, in a previous podcast. Um, David King is reeling from his travels through history and from the evil he's found there. The last thing he needs is his great-great-uncle Jesse's hospital bed instructions. You can't simply do nothing. You must fix things. So, it's called that's Whirlwind. Whirlwind, you said? Yeah, yep, okay, Whirlwind. So yep. th- that's... Uh, Book five, I think, Book in the five Dreamhouse, of Dreamhouse Kings. Kings, right? Yeah, one more to go, and then uh, it will be complete, up to date. Okay, gotcha. And then uh, book nine of the Guardians of Gahul, which has a big owl on the cover. The series that inspired the animated movie 
by Catherine Lasky, read by Pamela Gerlich. Um, it's about four and a half hours long. Uh, an ancient malevolence that will threaten the very existence of the great Gahul tree has been loosed from the past. With his dying breath, Easy Lerub <laughs> tells Soren and Corin to read the legends of Gahul hidden in his private library. There they find a world of treachery and magic in which a young king and queen struggle to keep peace while Grank, the most loyal friend and supporter, studies embers and flames in a distant land. So that's yeah, book so nine. That, that's the, the series that inspired that movie called Legends of the Guardians. Right, right. You know, the one with the CG owls. Yeah, yeah. We, I haven't seen it. Um, Neither have I, but... Yeah, my uh, daughter was actually neither. uninterested in it. Really? Yeah. She doesn't like owls. <laughs> I guess not. It, owls have been popular since uh, since Harry Potter had one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think there were stories about kids uh, wanting to get owls as pets, and so that <laughs> owls are being uh, taken out of their natural habitat and put in put in uh, kids' rooms. I guess. Are they dangerous? Uh, well, they're carnivores, um, but I. I don't sound good. Specifically dangerous. They're not generally used as pets, as, as far as I'm aware. I don't know anyone who's ever had an owl, and I know a lot of people who have pet birds. So, hmm. I, I'd could, much rather be a crow. Crows are really, uh, uh, you know, aggressively interesting. They're out there taking things apart, putting things back together, trying to figure things out. They're makers. They hmm. are. They're, they're smart birds. Gotcha. Hang out. Okay. for a while. You'll see. <laughs> All right. Now, next up, I've got uh, Karen Marie Moaning, a book called Shadow Fever, uh, <laughs> from Brilliance, performed by Natalie Ross and Phil Gigante. Now, oh. um, interesting oh. thing about this one, it says bonus contains selections from a soundtrack um, called Shadow Song. The audiobook contains selections from Shadow Song, the soundtrack for Karen Marie Moaning's book, Shadow Fever, written, arranged, and performed by Neil Dover. So that's something that's a little atypical. Now, the book itself, uh, Michaela Lane was just a child when she and her sister Alina were given up for adoption and banished from Ireland forever. Twenty years later, Alina is dead, and Mac has returned to the country that expelled them to hunt for her sister's murderer. But after discovering she descends from a bloodline both gifted and cursed, Mac is plunged into a secret history, an ancient conflict between humans and immortals who have lived concealed among us for thousands of years. And that's that. Shadow Fever. I, I think Karen uh, Murray Moaning has released one book on, uh, on patio books. Oh. Not 100% sure about that, but mm-hmm. I think she has. Cool. What were you going to say, like- Tama? Um, I like the cover of the actual uh, hardcover. It's like, it has like this translucent cover that fits over a drawing on the book itself. Oh yeah, that is cool. And I think this is part of a series. I think she has a whole bunch of books with, uh, I think either Fever in the title or some yeah. other. Yeah, they're all Fever, and the, Fever has a, a no, no extra e. I thought. That's that's a different book that has an extra Ian Fever. I think that's a, a George R. 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 Martin book. Hmm. Right. The name of it. Oh yeah, F E V R E. Fever Dream or something. Fever Dream, right? Fever Dream. Yeah, that's it's like it. a vampire in history. Mm-hmm. I thought it was rock and roll history or something. I I don't know. Oh, that's a different one. Is that a different book? Okay. Yeah. Another book I haven't read. <laughs> <laughs> Rag, All right. Ragtime something. The rag, yeah, ragtime something. <laughs> We're very informative today. Very right. informative. <laughs> okay, um, here's another uh, continuation of a series. Uh, March in Country, a novel of the Vampire Earth, Volume 9, by E.E. E. Knight. Read by Christian Rummel. Um, it includes an exclusive introduction read by the author. Which is, uh, the race is on to claim the area between the Ohio River and the Tennessee... What's left of the resistance is hiding out in the tangle of the central Kentucky hills, leaving the powerful, well-organized Curian vampires the opportunity to fill the void. Major David Valentine knows there's only one way for them to find help before the Curians settle in, a desperate dash by hijacked rail, um, etc., etc. Now, Jesse, you and I this week, I remember we were talking about vampires a little bit. Mm. 
we and, were? Uh, what did we say? Yeah, I, I don't remember. We were, I was doing, uh, talking to the youth group oh, right, on right, Monday, right. and I said, we were going to talk about magic and fiction. And mm-hmm. as I was getting ready, I said, are vampires, vampires are fantasy, right? You know? mm-hmm. And you said, well, it depends. <laughs> well, I think this is an example, this Vampire Earth series is an example of a science fictional vampire. Sure. And, uh, um, you know, something like Twilight would be fantasy. Uh, what, what movie did you show? Um, what movie was that that you you sent me the YouTube and said this is science fiction? Yeah, um, it's one of my favorite movies. The original is called Space Vampires as a book. I love to see that as an audio book. Mm-hmm. And the movie call, is called Life Force. That's it's right, from Life Force. Yeah, early '80s, and it's a British uh, horror end of world apocalypse movie about when a bunch of uh, astronauts in the space shuttle. Uh, go up to see Halley's Comet. I guess this would be 1986 or so. Was mm-hmm. Halley's Comet? Yeah. And um, and in the tail of the comet, they find that there's a spaceship, and they go inside the spaceship, and bad things happen. Mm. Uh, vampires come down to Earth and start killing everybody. And it's 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 a, a an amazingly fun movie, and a lot of people dislike it, but I think they're all crazy. <laughs> all right. Directed by Tobe Hooper. Toby, Toby Hooper, who his um, he was uh, done a lot of stuff for the Masters of Horror as well. By the way, um, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, I would actually say that uh, that what we're looking at in these um, Vampire Earth series is not all that fantasy or science fiction at all. It's probably a lot more like um, the series novels from, I guess. The nineteen late nineteen sixties, early nineteen seventies, up to the present, called the Executioner, Don Peddle, Don Peddleton's uh, stuff. There's a bunch of other ones very similar to that, sort of male romance. It's a a series of people, you know, I don't know, fighting the mafia or whatever. In this case, they're fighting zombies or vampires. It's not, it's not so much uh, about. It's 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 like it seems to be a long series, and it's sort of guys with guns. I'm not sure what that genre is exactly, other than adventure action or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't think military. Well, it, but see, I, I think the, the fact that they're vampires doesn't really matter as much as it's got guys with guns. Now, I haven't read any of these, but that's based on reading the backs of them. Um, so. If you read the back of that one, it, it talked about, you know, it, it was more like a, a war than it was, uh, or more like a zombie book than anything else. And the more I think about it, the more I think zombies aren't really science fiction or fantasy. They're so, sort of something else. Mm-hmm. Romance. Yes. Uh, in mm-hmm. a way, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they are, but <laughs> yeah. we, we've got something strange going Empire Earth is on graphic audio, too. Oh, yeah, they're, they're doing their own versions. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. That yeah, I'd, I'd like new. to check one of those I, out from Graphic Audio. Um, I do enjoy Graphic Audio. The last one I listened to from them was a Batman. Uh, something in, something about an Inferno. Something Inferno of Batman. I'm Batman. Yes, I'm Batman. I have a belt. No, I'm Batman. <laughs> do you talk like that? <laughs> You're not Batman. Yeah, but it was I'm great. The only one. It was great. Um Yep, so Batman titles from Graphic Audio, thumbs up. Um, okay, next book I have is um, Kings of the North by Elizabeth Moon. Now, th- this is that part of that Paxenarion, Dorthan's daughter. Paxenarion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're really marketing it for uh, the romantic crowd, I think, because of the cover. The cover looks like it came right off a, a Harlequin romance novel. Um <laughs> Yeah, it says, Peace and order have been restored to the kingdoms of Tissaia and Lyonia, thanks to the crowning of two kings, Maliki of Tissaia and in Lonia, Kiri, Felin, a mercenary captain whose royal blood and half-elven heritage are resented by elves and humans alike. Um, old war threatens to erupt from without and within. Two kings are dangerously divided. Old alliances and the bonds of friendship are about to be tested as never before. So... Um, Kings of the North, performed by Susan Erickson. This, I, I can't say whether this is romance. 
but the original series um, was not romance focused. Right. It was just a uh, girl on horseback, uh, kicking ass, mm-hmm. uh, learning to be a soldier, I guess, or mercenary or something. And it was enjoyable, absolutely mm-hmm. enjoyable, well written. Gotcha. Okay. Elizabeth Moon wrote uh, Speed of Dark, so she can yeah. write well. Yeah, right. she is. Yep. yep, yep, yep. All she's right. On, she's on got... audio too. <laughs> yeah, actually, I've heard some of those, and they're um, they're actually pretty good, drawn out, but good. All lots right. Lots of horse. As long as, long as they're not riding horses. <laughs> Love. Oh, there's lots of horseback riding in space. Don't you worry. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay, now I've got um, five audiobooks left here. One of which is borderline science fiction, and the other four of which would uh, fit in the oral noir category. Um, so, okay. first of all, the, the one that I call borderline science fiction is, Cl- is Clive Cussler's The Jungle, a novel of the Oregon Files, with Jack DeBrule. So, um, kind of like Tom Clancy is doing, uh, he's found himself a partner to write his uh, novels. Um, read by Jason Culp. Um, now I, I like Clive Cussler. I haven't read a Clive Cussler book for a long, long, long time, but they are borderline science fiction just in the same way that James Bond is, you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you've read a Clive Cussler, but the, uh, the, the, the hero is uh, very James Bondish, and he's got all kinds of gadgets and stuff and, um, yeah, gets lots of ladies. So there's one with an airship <laughs> and one with an airship. Awesome. Uh, don't, they all, don't they all take place underwater or something? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, water water always has something there. to do with it because that's that's his expertise. Dirk Pitt is the name of the main character. And I don't know, this is called a novel of the Oregon Files, so I don't know if Dirk Pitt is in that one. But um, anyway, they sent us an abridged and an unabridged version of the same book. Hmm. Yeah. That's uh, Penguin, Penguin Audio, by the way. What's that? Getting mixed reviews with uh, five stars, lots of five stars, and lots of uh, two, uh, few two stars and a few one stars. Yeah, I mean he's he's so, that kind of writer. He's is there like a co-author? Yeah, probably more. You know, he Clive Tesler said, "I think you should write a book about this." And, he's, and the guy says, "You su- you said it, sir," and starts writing. <laughs> yeah, I think he's like James Patterson. There's always a co-author now that finishes up the writing or something. Mm-hmm. Indeed. All right, now for some uh, oral noir. Um, again, Phil Gigante, who's very busy. Uh, the, the, these two are from Brilliance Audio. They're both by Andrew Vax, V-A-C-H-S-S. The first one's mm-hmm. called Only Child, and the second one's called Down Here. And um, it purports to be um, hard-boiled private eye fiction. Um, so, you know, I, I have no idea which one's first. If uh, you know, even or even if this is one and two, so uh, here's a description of down here. For years, Burke has harbored an outlaw's hard love for Wolf, the beautiful, driven former sex crimes prosecutor who was fired for refusing to go along to get along. So when Wolf is arrested for the attempted murder of John Anson Wycheck, a vicious rapist she once prosecuted, Burke deals himself in. That means putting together a distrustful alliance between his underground family of choice, Wolf's private network, and a rogue NYPD detective who has his own stake in the outcome. And then, um, only child, quick description. It's been years since Burke has been home, years since he's seen his family, and worked in the underbelly of New York City. Although his appearances change, his reputation grown dusty, and his wallet thin, his skills and his crew remain razor sharp. So when he's contacted by a mob boss to investigate the murder of his illegitimate daughter, Vani, Burke takes the job and begins searching for an unspeakably vicious killer. His last name rhymes with tax. Okay. Andrew Vax. Vax. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, that that's child... No, no, no. What is the only child, right? Um, the right. One. Only child, yeah. That's... Book fourteen in the in the Burke series. Okay. And what was the other one called? Down here. Down here is book fifteen. So okay. uh, it looks like they're adapt. Those are from a few years ago, and it looks like they're adapting uh, the the series um, to get it up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, Vax is an interesting guy because he has um, 
he has uh, sort of interests, you know, like um, how I, I guess everybody has interests, but it sort of shows up in their work, and he has different kind of work, uh, different kind of interests than other people. So we know um, Dean Koontz loves to put talking dogs in his his stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Often, often um, Andrew Vax's stuff is about child protection, and uh, I, I've, I think I heard him interviewed years and years ago about about why that shows up in his work a lot. Um, it, basically, he's worried about abused children, and that sort of shows up a lot in his fiction. Um, so, mm-hmm. it, there's a great picture of him on, on the Wikipedia entry. He's got he's holding a dog, and he's he's got an eye patch. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it looks like a you know classic uh, mystery writer of some kind slash pirate. <laughs> All right, cool. And uh, there's um, comic book versions too, uh, Tommy. You should be interested. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Ten volume series called Hard Looks. Old old, and he did some Batman as well. Batman. Are they in trade paperback? I, I'm Batman. <laughs> um. Are they trade paperback? Uh, yes, I think so. But um, it's Dark Horse, and I haven't seen a lot of Dark Horse trades, so it might be hard to find. Mm-hmm. I'll check it out at the bookstore. Yeah, right. to, uh, see if they got them. It's interesting. Cool. Dogs and chi- dogs and children. Okay. The dogs don't talk. Dogs and children. Check. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then here's one called "Shaken" by J. A. Conrath. Uh, performed by Angela Daw and Dick Hill from Brilliance. Um, Chicago cop Jacqueline Jack Daniels has... <laughs> Sorry, that's funny. Jack Daniels. Chicago yeah. cop Jacqueline Jack Daniels has chased and caught dozens of dangerous criminals over the course of her career, but she's about to meet her match. When Jack wakes up in a storage locker, bound and gagged, she knows with chilling certainty who her abductor is. He's called Mr. K., and more than 200 homicides have been attributed to him. His victims have died in the most horrible ways imaginable. He's the essence of evil. Some think he's just an urban legend, but he's very, very real. Jack has tangled with him twice in the past, and both times he's managed to slip away. So the the conceit of this book series is um, the titles are all uh, about alcohol, uh-huh. right? So, you know, you've got the main characters, Jacqueline Daniels. Uh-huh. Um, well, it reminds me that uh, Paul Bishop did that book, uh, I still haven't listened to it yet, but I've got it here, called uh, Tequila Mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. So, other books in the series are like Fuzzy Navel, Rusty Nail, mm. uh, Whiskey Sour, right? Hey, and this is another one that's of a good length, too. Uh, six hours, 31 minutes, unabridged. Oh, yeah, that's reasonable. Yep. Yep. Nice. Maybe that maybe somebody's listening to us. Shorten those books! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, we started with the 42-hour long one. Yeah. We can't. We can't get everybody. That's right. That's right. Oh okay. yes, yeah. so some some people are complaining that it's too short. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Okay. So that, that's well, you want to you want to leave them wanting a little more, right? And that gives you room to write more. Um, I agree. Deborah Kuntz, C O O N T S, wrote a book here called "Lucky Stiff," performed by Renee Rodman. It's a Lucky O'Toole Vegas adventure. Um, also by Brilliance. Um, let's see. 12 hours long, 12 or 13 hours long. Lucky O'Toole, head of customer relations at a premier mega resort at, at premier mega resort, the Babylon thinks it's just another night in Las Vegas. A tractor trailer has spilled its load of a hat of a million honeybees blocking not only the strip, but the entrance to her hotel. The district attorney for Clark County, apparently the odd man out of a threesome on the 12th floor, is hiding in the buff in one of the hotel's laundry rooms. <laughs> and Numbers Niedermeyer, one of Vegas's less than savory odds makers, is throwing some major attitude at Las Vegas's ace private investigator, the beautiful Jeremy Whitlock. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds it's like not very noir. Sounds like Dallas. Not yeah, very noir. Not very noir. So everybody's okay. It's at noir the end. romance. Yeah, I, I, that's right. Noir. You don't want to be in a noir romance relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, you. Here's a punch. <laughs> hey, Romeo and Juliet. Noir romance, right? Um. Yes. Trashy. Yes. All right. Yes. Good. Well scored. <laughs> See, I'm sir. learning. I'm learning. Well scored. I do believe. Yep. Um. Now uh, you just gave spoilers for. Uh, 
<laughs> Romeo and Juliet, by the way. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> a recent book I reviewed I didn't mention was noir because uh, it would have been, a, been uh, difficult to uh, not give things away. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, it's getting very, very positive reviews on, on Amazon. Cool. Lucky Stiff. Right. What's, what's on the cover of that one? The um, it's uh, Lucky Stiff in Lucky Stiff in a kind of a cursive script, and a necklace with um, several charms. charms on it. Yeah, yeah, Lucky yep. Charms. <laughs> oh my! You know, uh, it, uh, I got really upset. Uh, I was reading the paper the other day. I got really upset. Um, there, there, there's a horoscope column. Um, that runs in the paper, and that upsets me that people are reading the horoscope. I see it, and I think, oh, my God, I'm reading this paper, and other people are, are turning to this page. <laughs> um, uh, so in Canada, we have a, a famous guy who's on TV all the time. Uh, he's been on TV for, like, 50 years. or No, the show's been on TV for 50 years, and he's been, he's been uh, hugely, hugely popular as a science promoter. Mm-hmm. And his name's David Suzuki, and um, he he was like the subject of the of the horoscope. If your birthday is today, then you share your birthday with David Suzuki. And then it went on to compare, you know, uh, you know, all the good things that were going to happen uh, to you if you were born on this day. And I'm like, dude, you wrote this this horoscope article, and it's about a guy who's been spending fifty, you know, fifty years plus uh, <laughs> as a geneticist working on things to make science popular and it, uh, i just wanted to burn the burn the newspaper but instead i'll just rant about it here for a while it's just really horrible mm-hmm. it'd be like seeing uh, neil degrasse tyson uh you know at a psychic network uh <laughs> you know promoting something it was just very oh, wow. bad how about very that? bad hmm. gotcha but neil degrasse tyson is he's new like he's only been like last five or six years as far as i know mm-hmm. this guy has been on tv forever yeah. Actually, he he uh, he taught one of my uncles uh, in genetics years and years and years and years and years ago. Hmm. I think he was just on Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, DeGrasse Tyson, yeah. Right. David Suzuki's never been on a podcast, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> CBC show called The Nature of Things. Gotcha. Well, I am completely out of audiobooks over here. That was a huge pile we went through. Well played, sir. Uh, took us 53 minutes to do so. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So well, what are you guys listening to right now? Uh, good question. Good question. Um, I'm listening to the adjustment team. Mm, uh, yes. Or the adjustment bureau, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm listening to Radio Drama Revival. Oh, uh, they've yeah. got a new series um, recorded for the BBC that's really interesting. I'm very interested in what's going on. It's, it seems to be an sort of a not an anthology, but it's a it's a bunch of different places around the world and things happening. And it's got that recorded uh, recorded in the field sound to it. It's really fantastic. Um, what's going on with you, Tama? What are you reading? Uh, well, actually, I just finished the, the first Anita Blake book. This is old, hmm. but I, I I thought it was well done. It doesn't really have too much romance in it. I heard like the, her first like four or five books are pretty good. Then she kind of goes off on a lot of tangents later on, and the books get longer and longer. You reading the paper version or? No, I, I listened to the audio. I I got it from the library. Nice, cool. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see that... a review of that soon. <laughs> <laughs> if you Excellent. want, it's... must extract review. Must extract <laughs> review. Yeah, it's, it's I need old, to, I need to extract reviews from myself before I start extracting from other people. <laughs> well, I've fallen I, into I, I a terrible a, habit. Uh, you know, my the habit I've fallen into is I haven't uh, been finishing a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. r- right now, I'm uh, really getting done with Eiffelheim, which is for a podcast um, next week. And um, but I've started and have not yet finished Death Cloud by Andrew Lane. Which right. is that um, young Sherlock Holmes um, book from Macmillan Audio, and so far it's terrific. So I, I've got to finish that, and I've got to get a review out of it. So that that's my my short term goal is I need to I need to uh, listen to some things and finish them and get that review written. You just have to listen to the shorter stuff so that it'll be more likely. Yes, yes. Well, we've done so many read alongs and all that other stuff that I 
I, uh, I, I listen to something, I say, okay, now I've got to do this read-along. So I do the read-along, and then I never come back to it. You know, like uh, Fountains of Paradise is one that I, I got halfway through and uh, haven't finished, but sometime I've got to get back to that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm just about finished uh, Fade to Blonde. That's uh, the Max Phillips book from Iambic. Mm-hmm. Um, and enjoying that very much. It's very, uh, very well written. I'm kind of surprised I don't see Max Phillips' name anywhere else. So mm-hmm. uh, he, did, he didn't write another one for uh, Hard Case Crime yet. So maybe, maybe they're very hard to write. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that's going to be really terrific. I, I'm trying to get as many people listening to Iambic as possible. I love... I love what they're doing, and oh, that's they, good. they will be having um, some science fiction in two months. In Ju- June, I think, is, is when the... Is that two months from now? March, April? No, a couple months. A <laughs> few months from now, they yeah. will be having some science fiction. But the crime stuff that they just put out, there's ten books, and um, at least two or three of them are very interesting. The one I'm listening to is, is excellent. Good. Excellent. Cool. Get a review and yeah, and we, we got two reviews posted this week. Um, one of them from Julie Davis of Gilgamesh the King by uh, Robert Silverberg, mm-hmm. um, read by William Kuhn from Eloquent Voice. And it was, yeah. a, it was a positive review. And then um, one of the God Engines by John Scalzi um, by yourself. Yes, yeah. I, I was very happy. Oh, I... I forgot that I read that, but yes, I I finished that off uh, earlier this week. So nice to have a three a three CD audiobook. It was <laughs> it was a w- wonderful pleasure to you know. Yeah, and you mentioned in there um, in your review that you liked how it didn't overstay its welcome. It was an exploration no. of an idea, and then he moved on. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> which think is it was uh, really cool. I mean, it's rare nowadays. We well, you and I have talked about how. Um, well, you know, some authors are events happen, you know, just stuff happens. That's what they stuff want is the stuff to happen. They try to ratchet up the suspense by having more stuff happen. And <coughs> But the stuff that, you know, it, it used to be that I liked the to keep up on the current stuff. That was important to me, to keep up on all the current stuff that was out and read the current short stories and current novels and all that. And you were always in the past, you know, you liked finding the obscure stuff and you liked Philip K. Dick and you liked all this other stuff. But I think I've grown to appreciate your position more than mine. Um, <laughs> because so many of the things that are being published right now is just stuff happens. It's yeah. just, you stuff know, let's, let's string together these events and, and try and ratchet up suspense. Um, and, and just do that, make people care about the characters and just do that. And so, but, the older fiction, which is something I, you know, whether it's a phase or whatever, I guess we'll find out, but I'm enjoying the old stuff much more than the new stuff. And the reason is, is because they're idea exploration. They're not stuff happens. Character exploration and, and yeah, let's throw a complication in that, that will extend the book another 67 pages or Mm -hmm. something that really doesn't need to be extended. Right. It's, it's true. Um, you, you can sort of see that, the um the 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 construction of old books in the olden days was more uh, along the lines of we have to get the characters to a certain point right mm-hmm. whereas now is we we can't stop <laughs> we have to keep going we got to find something else to do that hasn't been done exactly the same and if it's we have it has to be a little remixed because we must sell more book or something mm-hmm, like right. that. It's very... They have to feed the talented reader. They have to feed mm-hmm. the talented reader. It's true. Yeah. I, I was trying not to use the word because I know I use it or the phrase. <laughs> I use that it makes sense. Much, you know, and I'm not you know, completely turned off by it. You know, I, I still... You know, George R. R. Martin's series, which you know I've said here before, I absolutely love it. Looking forward to, to the HBO series. That is a Stuff Happens book. But... You know, there's still, you know, some political things that go on. And, um, you know, I am captured with the characters in those books. Those aren't idea books. But I don't so read that and I don't read that book something and then feel like I need to read other ones just like it. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. like maybe that satisfies that part of the urge to read that type of story. And I really love it. I'm really looking forward to his next book. 
Um, yeah, that comes out this year, right? Yeah. Well, it's supposed to. We'll see. <laughs> but, it, um, you know, so I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to read it. Oh, and, and speaking of from an audio standpoint, I don't know if you guys saw um, Roy Dotrice won or not won. He was certified as a world record holder for most characters ever voiced in an audiobook for wow. Game of Thrones. Wow. And then um, he did the first three audiobooks, Roy Dotrice. And then they went to John Lee for the fourth one. Yeah, how but come? John Lee, and I, I don't know, but Roy Detrice is now doing the fifth one. He's already been signed up. Hmm. Because Roy Detrice was a perfect voice for those books. He's a good um, voice. Just because, yeah, he's, he's got kind of a, a gravelly, earthy voice. And John Lee is more of a regal voice. But game, you know, ice, you know that uh, Ice and Fire is uh, earthy. You know, it, I need to consult he, he was a you better, He was a better narrator for that. But um, on, on George R.R. Martin's site, he noted this week that there was um, such a clamor over the change of narrator that everybody was like, you know, why change him? Why change him? And he said, well, you know, this next one is going to be done by Detrice. So He needs to redo the fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> why not? <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it's possible if, yeah. if, if they can... Yeah. You know, generate that much interest in the And I, I love John Lee, by it. the way. I absolutely really enjoy his narration. He's just a completely different style of narrator um, than Roy Detrice. And Detrice's style is better suited for these books. You know, uh, th- those books are so big, you know, and the, the chapters are all by different characters. You could really... You know, if they had done it from the start, gotten a collection of narrators together and every chapter from this person's point of view, you could have read by the same narrator. But Detrice did a great job. I really enjoyed Game of Thrones. I have a review of it on the site. It's still um, possible. You know, what they've done with Dune many times is, mm-hmm. is re-recorded. So yeah. I would suspect if, if the book holds up to be, or the series holds up to be, uh, as popular as Dune or something like that, because it is pretty darn popular, mm-hmm. um, in future years, we will probably see exactly that. Some somebody going in and and voice, uh, you know, doing a, a chapter for each each character point of view and yeah. and male and maybe they can get the cast from the uh, HBO and have them all do the parts. <laughs> seems <laughs> unlikely. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but seems um, unlikely. that's my fantasy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you bet. But Detroit did a Detrice did a good job. Um, um, going back to. Um, uh, the God Engines. I I posted a comment after reading um, reading the what was happening over on the Scalzi site in the mm-hmm. comments there, and somebody pointed out that I have made an error in my review. Hmm. Um, so I I I wrote a rebuttal hmm. as to why I'm not wrong. So. Uh, I said, I was reading the comments on the review over on Scalzi's site. Apparently, Scalzi deliberately didn't specify the gender of one of the characters named Chalet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, a Rook character. And, um, and the, one reviewer put it like this. Interestingly, the Rook Chalet is, never, is deliberately never referred to by a gender pronoun. And mm-hmm. even the sex scenes are written in such a way as to make it unclear what gender Chalet is. It also is not clear what is meant uh, if it is if this is meant to imply that all rooks are of an indeterminate gender, or if Scalzi was just being precious about this one character. It led me to believe that the rooks had some major part to play in the blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too in, much into it, but I so I said, in my defense, Shally's role on the ship, comforter slash sex worker, wasn't what made me. Assume Shally was female. I hadn't noticed the pronoun dodging. Instead, it was Christopher Lane's performance that had me peg Shally as female. Her voice in the audiobook is feminine. Hmm. I'm no expert on pitch or pitch alteration, but it sounded like Lane was playing Shally as female. Mm-hmm. So I I would like somebody who is a uh, a uh, impartial observer, <laughs> which is probably not me or you guys because you're not impartial. <laughs> you go in there and listen to the audiobook and tell me if John Lee was not trying to uh, make his his voice Christopher female. Lane. Christopher Lane is the narrator, not John oh, Lee. What did, you well, just I'm said sorry. John Lee, yeah. John Lee, that was a slip of the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes. Could it have been an effeminate man? Uh, it absolutely could have. But, okay. I mean, when I've got a, a male narrator doing an effeminate man, right. I think that that's supposed to be a female. Right. 
Right? Sorry. <laughs> How do you distinguish mm. between the two? No, yeah. I think it absolutely could have been an effeminate man. But why would I assume that that, that was the case? Um, I like I don't I don't know how you would even notice that there was no gender pronoun, mm-hmm. unless you were looking for hey is this male or female when you're writing up the review, um, and I didn't have Tricky. the text right, mm-hmm. so I I actually did find it after line afterwards it's online the the text of the of the novella is online and I did do a search and there is no gender pronoun for for uh, this character interesting. Yep. It, it is interesting, and because it's not a series, um, I don't think <laughs> I don't think it it matters as much. But uh, Scalzi was saying I was making assumptions, and I was like, "Yeah, I am <laughs> making assumptions." Uh, but so he po- he posted about your review. Yeah, he, just a quick mention to when somebody asked, uh, "Didn't didn't it, it, I thought you said this?" and and he said, "Yeah, the reviewer is making assumptions." So. Mm-hmm. In my girl. defense, I think it was uh, Christopher Lane who made the assumption, m- perhaps a good one. Um, when you're translating to audiobook, you have to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if he had made it, uh, made uh, Shelley a gruff, gruff and grumble character, uh, oh, I'm very manly, um, <laughs> it would be very strange in the love scenes, but <laughs> I wouldn't be uh, wrong per se. It would just probably not. Uh, shown up the point that that uh, uh, Scalzi it probably would have hurt the point Scalzi was trying to make whatever point that is <laughs> you have to make a choice when you're doing the narration right. yeah right? for sure yeah how do you make how do you make a neutral uh, asexual voice uh, if you're a if you have a gender I don't think it's possible even computer voices have uh, gender right we're very good at picking up gender signs whether we are um, uh, trying to or not. I mean, it's possible to confuse confuse uh, people's voices, male and female, but we're pretty good at picking them up. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're they're projected. I'm really lovely today. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Batwoman. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Batman. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.